This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. Amen. Go ahead and take your seats and uh, we're going to just share, uh, I think probably one of the most important truths, and I'm so blessed to be able to be here with you. Uh, the senior pastors are all going to be uh, ministered to by my wife, by Pastor Bonnie. And, uh, you know, when we come together, there are certain things that only the senior pastors need to hear. Uh, some of you as assistant pastors, some of you as uh, council members, uh, those of you that are in various forms of leadership in the church, there are other things you need to hear. And I'm going to try to address something today uh, about serving a man of God and becoming a man of God. Some of you will come into a place of ministry somewhere in your life that may be a senior position. Some of you will probably stay, most of you will probably just stay as serving the man of God, serving a pastor. But uh, I don't want you to take lightly the role of the service of a man of God. I, I entitled this message, uh, Holding Up the Hands of the man of God. Uh, you know, it's, it's a very, it's a very, uh, I don't know how to describe it, but it's a fearful thing to be a pastor, a senior pastor. Uh, it's a very lonely position for many of your pastors. Uh, how do they, who do they get the fellowship with? They're put in a position of authority. They're put in a position to lead. Uh, they want friendships, but they can't have a friendship if they're going to be the shepherd, if they're going to be the head of an organization. So they can't be your friend in the sense that they can be friendly. We can have friendship in the sense of, but there comes a time where I also have to be the leader. And every leader goes through a process. And I'd like to just talk to you about some of those processes. And I'd like to look in the life of Moses and, uh, you know, it's amazing that uh, when you look at the life of Moses, you'll see that you know, there are many leaders and they feel like they want to climb the, the corporate ladder of success and they're uh, hoping that, you know, somehow when they get to the top that they'll have a freedom and they'll be uh, able to do whatever they want to do. Uh, but what they don't realize is that leadership requires sacrifice. And uh, every leader goes through I've identified 21 tests of leadership, and every leader goes through these tests, and uh, when they do, it's very, very painful to watch. Uh, a, a leader who wants to rise uh, has to do more than take an occasional cut in pay. They have to give up their rights. And that's true of every, of every leader, regardless of their profession. If you talk to any leader, you're gonna find out that he has made repeated sacrifices in terms of being the leader. All great leaders are people that have laid down their lives for the sheep, laid down their lives for others. The higher that that leader has climbed, the greater the sacrifices he usually has made. Effective leaders sacrifice much that is good in order 
to dedicate themselves to what is best. Leadership demands constant sacrifice, constant. It's not you do it once and, oh, now I'm the leader. No, you constantly lay down your life. Uh, it's an ongoing process. It's not a, a, a one-time payment. <laughs> I wish it was. I wish you could say, well, I did that. Now I could be the leader. No, after you've done everything, uh, the Bible says that Jesus spoke about the servant. He said, uh, once the servant has served the master, after he's done everything, he doesn't go down and get served. He says, now, sir, what would you have me do? I'm an unprofitable servant. Now what would you have me do? And that's what servants do. We, we are really unprofitable servants, and our goal is to continue to serve the best we can. Now, there are some pastors and there are some leaders that think that the church is there to serve them. Uh, that's not true. And we have, to, we have to help guide our pastors and our leaders. You don't have to guide them. The Holy Spirit will do that. Don't worry. Let, let's let the Holy Spirit do his work in your pastor and his leader. Uh, you may not think the Holy Spirit is doing fast enough. Uh, I've learned to step back a lot in people's lives and say, let's just let God work in that person's life. God can do a lot better work than I can. I can't change people. Uh, I find it very difficult to even lead some people because uh, especially if you're a leader, God has to lead you. Um, what price is a leader willing to pay to become a more effective leader? Uh, I think a lot of leaders are so busy pursuing their vision, so busy rallying people and uh, that they give it little thought. But uh, like I was saying earlier, leadership requires sacrifice. And uh, no one achieves success without paying the price of sacrifice. How was Moses able to give up so much? How, much, how was he able to give up so much and make such great sacrifices without growing bitter or resentful towards God? What made him willing to return to Egypt as God's servant after he had enjoyed all the country had to offer? I mean, he was, for 40 years, he was raised in royalty. He had everything. He had the proverbial silver spoon in his mouth. And then he ran away. And for 40 years, he was on the backside of a wilderness. The Bible says he became the meekest man on earth. And I have to tell you something. Your pastor goes through the same process. I, I, when I study Moses, I see a process that God works in the hearts of men who become men of God. Moses was strong, he was smart, he was articulate, and he was arrogant. He took matters in his own hand. He was fully able to do whatever he thought he could do, and he ran ahead, and he did everything he thought he could do. He had a vision to be a deliverer of the people of his own, his own people, the Hebrews, and he ran ahead with his vision in the flesh. He did it the way he knew how, but God had to get him to a place that he would do it. The only way that God can bless it is when I decrease, he can increase. When I do it his way. So that is working in your pastor's life. Some of you are serving your pastor and you think, oh, he's arrogant. He's, don't, don't worry about where he's at today. You keep holding his hands up. Keep serving him. And let the Holy Spirit do the work in his life. Don't sit in judgment of him. 
Let God do his work. Pray for him. Amen? Anybody listening to me? Okay. So, uh, I just want to take a quick look at Moses' life and kind of show you how God molded him into an effective leader. First of all, you'll see that Moses had to get alone with God. If you want to help your pastor, make sure that he's alone with God. Make sure that he's spending time with God. So many people are so busy, so many pastors get so busy that they never get time with God. Well, let me tell you, your pastor will not be effective for you if he's doing all the mundane work. If he's waiting on tables, if he's doing all the hospital visitations, if he's doing all the counseling, if he's doing all the finance meetings, if he's, if he's, that's why you're there. God has raised up councils to help lift the burden from the man of God. He's raised up some of you to take that load off him. The more you can carry, the better off your pastor is going to be. You make sure, though, that when you lift the burden, you make sure he's spending time with God. Pastor, we need you. We want you. You must have time to be with God. I have to confess to you that for the last couple of years, I have felt more like an administrator than I have a pastor. I have been working so hard putting the house back in order and structuring things that uh, it's just been burdensome to me. And it it's painful to me because I think there are more capable men than I that should be carrying the burden. Now we've hired people, we have those people, but you want gifted people, people that have a calling and an anointing to carry those responsibilities because when they take those places, things move, things are anointed. And you have to be an anointed person to do that kind of service. The Bible says that when they selected, when, 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 when uh, the early church selected deacons it said find men full of the holy ghost find these men that are full of the holy spirit able willing have a good reputation and let them attend to those matters all of those men became great leaders all of those men also became powerful in their own right but they served the apostles they served the apostolic leadership, so that they could give themselves to the word and prayer, which benefited the church. Because when a pastor is full of the word and full of prayer and full of anointing, guess what begins to happen? It becomes a lightning rod. It becomes attractive. People will start coming to your church and your needs will get met because the spirit of God is upon him. Uh, what God had to do with Moses was had to break him. He, had so, he became so smart in the ways of the world uh, that Moses, had he stayed in Egypt, would probably have never listened to God's call. So God moved him. We don't know how long God moves men or, we, or where he moves them to. Sometimes your pastor may not be with you for very long. In fact, you may be Midian to him. You may be the wilderness to him. Think about that. Uh, he may not be in the place that he's going to end up in, but God may be using the location he's at to teach him, to grow him, to mature him. But when God finally appeared to him in the burning bush, when God finally appeared to Moses, uh, he had grown quite enough to hear the voice of God. I tell you, when a man of God starts hearing the voice of God, it's a wonderful thing. When they start hearing how God speaks and he starts leading us. Uh, I think le leaders in our time, in our day and age, take uh, too little time to get alone with God. Um, most continue, most I think uh, 
seem continually on the go. They rarely quiet themselves. Uh, and if that description fits you or fits your pastor, I think it's time that you change your habits. Set some time aside to be alone with God. Uh, don't force God to send you into the wilderness to get your attention. <laughs> I just highly recommend that. The second thing is that Moses was honest with God. Moses was honest with God. And uh, this is a great attribute of any man of God. We have to become very honest with ourselves and then honest with God. Uh, by the time that Moses met God at the burning bush, there was no trace of the cockiness of his character uh, that he had in his life in Egypt. Uh, in fact, he knew his weakness. When God told Moses that he would bring the people out of Egypt, his reply was that of a chastened man. He says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And I want you to know, I think only as an older man, humble before God, could Moses have been used of God for that purpose. I don't know that a younger man would have had the ability to have the disposition in his heart to do that. Uh, the Lord can use you and he wants to use you. He wants to use every one of us. But we need to look at ourselves honestly. Who am I? Who am I that God could even use me? Uh, and we need to admit our weaknesses. And we need to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. He says if you humble yourself under his hand, he will raise you up. I believe God always does a humbling work in the life of every future leader that he has. Every pastor that I know goes through times of great humbling and great brokenness. They don't need to be chastised by the congregation. Let me tell you something. You could never chastise them as much as Father God chastises his sons. The Bible says that the chastening of the Lord works something in pastors and leaders. Pastors get broken. Part of God's plan is to break you so that your brokenness can release the spickner, release the anointing oil, release the, the fragrance of Jesus, the treasure that's held on the inside of you. God does this with every man. The third thing I want to point out is that Moses was a man who was hungry for God. And uh, we want pastors and leaders who are hungry for God. What does it take for somebody to become really hungry for God? I, I, don't, I don't know. I think it's different for every one of us. Uh, I know some people that God has touched them from their childhood. Uh, I see people, man, they just had an unusual anointing from their childhood. Samuel was touched. Uh, we've had people in the church here. I've known them since they were children, and God touched them. Uh, sometimes a personal tragedy has realigned a person's life uh, and realigned, realigned their priorities uh, to take care of others. For some, uh, they never turn to God. There's some people that just never turn to God. But for Moses, it took four decades in the wilderness, 40 years in a wilderness for him to turn his heart fully to God. I don't know. Do you think Moses could have given up all hope during that time for doing something worthwhile with his life? I think he could have. But then one day, God finally spoke to him. God speaks. Um, a person can be staunchly self-reliant 
and hungry for God at the same time. And I think that was Moses. Moses was a self-reliant guy. Moses always had a plan. Moses always figured stuff out. But he eventually became what the Bible said is the meekest man on earth. A brokenness took place in his life. The fourth thing is that Moses was broken by God, not by anything else. And God does the breaking process in our lives. God didn't force him. God didn't force his will on him. God waited. God waited for Moses to willingly come to him. The Bible says this uh, in Exodus 3 and verse 4. It says, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. Moses, Moses. Let me tell you something. God was in that bush. I don't know how many times God had appeared before that Moses never saw. But this time, God, Moses saw the bush. And this time, he went over to look. And this time, God met him. And God spoke to him when he had enough curiosity, enough brokenness, enough desire. He spoke. God will speak. God is going to speak to your pastor. Let God give him room. He may not speak this month, this week. It may take a couple of years. It may take, you may not see it in your lifetime. You may not see it with this pastor, but the next pastor that comes. And our pastors don't stay in our churches forever. Some of them will move. And, and, and there's, there's reasons for that too. Sometimes we become too familiar with a pastor or he's made mistakes. And it's healthier for the church and it's healthier for that pastor to get a fresh start somewhere else as well. I mean, sometimes our mistakes is part of the breaking process. Has anybody figured that out in your life yet? Uh, brokenness, in my understanding, involves two things. Uh, removing inappropriate pride and self-reliance. So God always, the Bible speaks of, you know, Jeremiah the prophet, he says, I've given you the power to tear down, to remove, he says, but then to build up and to encourage. That's how God works. He tears things down, but then he doesn't leave you torn down. He comes back in and builds you up. And so, uh, uh, so the, the first thing God does uh, is he tears down inappropriate pride. I think we need to be pride. There's a, there's a certain pride that we can have. I, I'm proud of the work that God's done through me. I'm not proud of myself. I'm saying I think God has done something. I'm proud of what God has done. I, I think that there's a, a, a healthy pride, but I don't think it's boastful. I don't think it's inappropriate. Uh, and, and so I think that, you know, and then self-reliance. And instead, what he does, he builds up a healthy God-reliance in our lives. See, God tamed Moses. And uh, he, he tamed his self-reliance and his pride in the desert to create the trust and to break the man's fears. Moses dealt with different kinds of fear. And I think many leaders have these fears. Fears concerning himself. You know, Moses doubted his own value. I think we can get to a place that we don't know if I'm even valuable anymore. Uh, let, me, let, me, let me say something like this. God always encourages men of God. But if you're gonna say something to your pastor, let it be encouraging. Encourage a man of God. Be, be on the side of God. God, God doesn't want to, God never discourages. But he allow, But if you are discouraged, let me tell you something. When you turn to God, he'll always give you a word of encouragement. God will always lift you and build you, okay? Moses had fears concerning God. It's, the Bible says that Moses feared God. Uh, he, uh, he, he feared who God might be. 
He wanted to know his name and he wanted to know his character. Boy, let me tell you something. God responded to Moses overwhelmingly and gave him his presence. And in his presence, the Bible says that Moses saw the face of God. Moses had such encounters with God that he actually glowed. They had to put a veil over his face because he had so many great encounters with God. I am hoping that our pastors in this new season will begin to have encounters with God. I'm hoping that all of us will have encounters with God. But we want to create an atmosphere. Uh, He had fears concerning others. Uh, Moses was worried about how God's people would respond. Uh, If you read Exodus chapter 4, he was afraid of what the people would say about him. Uh, hadn't they already rejected him? Remember he had killed an Egyptian and the Israelites said, oh, are you going to lead us like you led this Egyptian? You're going to kill the guy? And, 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 and they exposed him. Uh, you know, that's people, that's human nature. Human nature sometimes is pretty mean towards its leaders. It finds their faults. It points out their weaknesses. Let's not be on the side of weakness. Let's be on the side of strength. God's raising up a leader for you, okay? And what God will do is if you'll encourage your pastor, God will demonstrate his power and his uh, commitment to him by working through him and, and causing him to begin to do exploits and be strong. God's looking for men he can do exploits through. Uh, all pastors, and Moses in particular, have fears concerning their ability. Uh, I don't know a more uh, insecure group of people than pastors. Uh, I don't know, one pastor, I've never met a pastor that doesn't come off the stage, come off the platform after he's preached, trying to represent God, trying to pour out his heart. And the first words out of his mouth are, how did I do? Was it okay? Well, you know, we shouldn't be asking that question. We should be saying, hey, I had a word from God. I gave you what God told me to give you. And I don't care if you think I did good or not. I did the best I possibly could in the time I had with what I had. But that's not the nature of human beings. And, and so God will break that out of a man of God. He'll get you to a place that, hey, I will be an oracle of God. I will speak what God says. And whether the people like me or like what I said or not, I did speak truth. No, I don't, I don't think any of us ever try to speak in a way that you don't like us. But sometimes that fear, uh, Moses doubted himself. His speech, he says, I'm the one who stutters. His ability, he was, so he had, so God even allowed Aaron to help speak on his behalf. I thank God for the men that are around me that speak on my behalf. I thank God for the, the Aaron's and the hers and the, and uh, some of the, uh, the, the, you know, the, the uh, uh, Miriams and the people that are around me that are able to speak sometimes on my behalf, and they do a very, very good job. They're prophets and prophetic, even as I am. When God finally broke Moses' willfulness, his, when, he, when Moses had finally overcome his fears, when his purpose was reaffirmed, uh, when Moses finally placed himself fully in the hands of Almighty God, God could do something with him. And let me tell you something, for all of us, life is full of trade-offs, okay? Uh, But you can't trade up 
or you can only trade up if you have something to sacrifice. Did you get that? You can only trade up if you have something to sacrifice. Moses had to sacrifice his status. He had to sacrifice his marital, his material possessions to get prepared for his life of purpose. And then to fulfill it, he had to sacrifice. The second time, he relinquished the security and safety of the obscurity in the wilderness, in the desert, to return to his boyhood home, to return to where he had grown up for 40 years and to face Pharaoh, who may have been his brother, probably was. So if you desire to lead, if we desire to support our leaders, you're gonna find and fulfill the purpose of God that God created you to do. You're gonna have to have something to give. So keep growing, keep building your personal assets, hold tightly, hold lightly the things that God gives you and remember, you may need to sacrifice them at any time to answer his call. Our pastors are going to be called to sacrifice many things. Be there to support them. The most beautiful picture I see in the Bible for a leader is the picture of Aaron and the picture of her. And the picture of Joshua. Joshua was a young man who loved the presence of God, was probably anointed from a young man, as being a very young man. I mean, he wasn't young by the time he took over leadership. He was an old man. But when he started with Moses, he was a young man. And he was a warrior. He had ideas. He, but you know what? He spent lots of time. When everybody else was running around, he was in the, the Bible says he was at the tent of the door of meeting. He was where the presence of God was. He spent a lot of time in the presence of God. He was the number two. Aaron was the prophet that went with Moses. God used Aaron. But the number two was this young man. And he was the heir apparent. There were only two that survived the wilderness. Joshua and Caleb. They were old men by the time they went into the promised land. They weren't young. But Joshua in his youth... There was a time that they had to fight the flesh. The picture is the battle of the flesh. And I love this because it's the picture of all of our lives. By now Moses is an older man. Moses has seen the face of God. Moses is anointed. God is using Moses. And Moses has gone through the progression of leadership. All pastors, all leaders go through this. At first you have to be amongst the sheep. You have to be amongst the people. Moses led the people amongst them. He got in amongst them. He led them out. He, then at Marah, the people became bitter. They murmured against him. And God said, from now on, you know, you're not going to lead in amongst them. He says, you're going to lead in front of them. Go before them. They'll follow you. And they followed Moses. And they followed the pillar of fire by night and the pillar of, fire, and the pillar of, uh, and the pillar of cloud by day. They, they followed. But Moses was the leader. Leadership had progressed. But by this time of the, of the setting of this story, Moses had given another, been given another command by God. He says, go up on the mountain. He says, I want you above the people. There comes a time when a leader is no longer amongst them. He's no longer in front of them. He is holding his hands up above them. He's saying, listen, I'm giving direction from another vantage point. You see things from the mountaintop differently than you do in the valley 
battling things out. And so he's in a mountain position. And the Bible says that whenever he held his hands up, the victory would go towards Israel. Whenever his hands came down, he got tired, the victory would go towards the enemy. Boy, if I could ever encourage you to uphold the hands of your leader, if your leader can ever get into a place where he's upheld and encouraged and built up, victory will come to you because God uses men. God uses weak men. God uses men that don't have all the skills, the talents, or the abilities that you think they should. It's not the man, it's God working in and through the man. So as leaders, honor your pastors, love your pastors, care for them, serve them. And let me tell you you a little secret. If you look for the faults in your pastor, you're sure to find them. Uh, If you want to know my faults, I probably have more faults than I have good characteristics. I could probably tell you more about me that's bad and there is good. But you know what? God still somehow uses me in spite of me. I can't understand that. It's very humbling. So here's Moses and Aaron and her by revelation saw something. They said, hey, when his hands are up, we prevail. When his hands are down, we don't. And they ran up onto the mountain and stood by him and they held his hands up. Eventually, their arms got tired. They said, we got to do a better job of this. And they found, now listen to this, they found a stone and they moved the stone to where Moses was. That's a very important part. They didn't say, hey, Moses, come over here. They didn't tell Moses where to go. They said, Moses, we see where where you are. We see where you're standing. We bring you a stone. Sit on the stone and we'll hold your hands up. Think how long they had to hold his hands up. The sun stood still that day for a day, another day, so that they could win the battle as long as Moses' hands was up. We need the Joshuas that will go and fight the battle. Some of you are the Joshuas. Your pastor needs you. He needs you to fight. He needs you to get in the trenches. Your pastor needs you to serve. We need you guys. We need every one of you. You need to serve well. You need to serve with the right attitude, with the right heart. And if you're in judgment towards your pastor, stop it. Don't sit in the seat of judgment. Don't get there. I'll tell you, that bitterness will destroy you, not your pastor. If you have odd against him, the anointed of God, they do things sometimes that may offend you. God sometimes even offends your mind to reveal your heart. See, because you're also in a refining process as leaders. Did you know that? Just tap your neighbor and say, I think he's talking about you today. Are you listening to me? So today, I, I want to encourage all of us to help ourselves become better leaders. When you, see God, you, when you see God going through the breaking process of chastising your pastor, there's a brokenness that comes on men of God. Don't despise it. Pray for them. Don't point it out. Don't pray for them to have that. Pray grace and mercy on them. Oh, yeah, God, break him, kill him. No, no, no. Don't worry. Let God do his work God's way, okay? 
Never wish that on a man of God. Never wish that on anybody. Besides that, what you sow, you might reap. I've always believed very strongly in the passage that says, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. I always want to fall on the side of mercy. When I see people sin, I don't say, oh, they deserve that. I always say, oh, God, I'm so sorry. Father, have mercy on them. Don't hold it to their account. Even Jesus on the cross turned to the people that were crucifying and said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. Guys, have a merciful heart when you deal with your pastor and you deal with his wife. They are carrying a burden. They're dying daily. They're carrying the burden of the church. They're carrying the burden of preaching. They're, some of them are bivocational. They're trying to run a job. They're trying to take care of their families and they're trying to be before the Lord, hear the word of God to deliver it to you faithfully. It may not be the perfect situation, but let me tell you something. It's a perfectly good situation. God is working in them. God will not fail. And God will not fail our churches. Amen? Amen. For those of you that are full-time, for those of you that have full-time pastors, please, you are so blessed and you're so fortunate to have somebody who can give themselves to their own prayer. Help them, encourage them, make sure that they do. Do all you can. And, you know, sometimes pastors don't know how to ask you for help. Be like Aaron and her. See what, see what, see what happens when they're prevailing. And see to it that you help them prevail. Does that help you? I'd like to pray for you. I'd like to pray for all of you that serve. Because I know this, that we can't do this. We can't do the ministry without all of those who serve. And I think that sometimes one of the greatest gifts, the Bible says if you want to become great, become the servant. I think some of the greatest gifts we have are those who serve. My wife and I have been served by so many. I have so many of you that serve us so well and serve our ministry so well. I can never repay you. I can never pay you. But I don't need to because I fully understand how God works. God repays those who serve in ways that, if you ever figure this out, in ways that you can, it's just almost impossible to put a measurement to it. And God is no man's debtor. I've watched God bless people in ways that shocked me sometimes. I said, oh man. And they know. They come back to me and say, you know what? I know that I'm blessed because of what? Why? Because I served in the church. I served my man of God. I served my pastor. Some of the greatest heroes in this church, you'll never hear their story. Man, I'm, I'm always shocked at some of the stories of some of our people that serve here. When I hear some of their stories, I think, oh my goodness. Really? I have people that have served 20, 25, 30 years. Ushering. Making cookies and cakes for people, hospital visitations, doing things. I mean, cell group leaders, <laughs> just serving. And their ministry is invaluable. Lifting the hands of a man of God, taking burden off of them. And I remember when Pastor Bonnie and I started the church 
and see, it's, it's hard for me to even remember these days sometimes. I'll never forget them, but I mean, it's hard for me to talk about them because when we first started, there were no helpers. There were just the two of us. We made, back then we didn't have screens like this. We had overhead projectors and we had to write on little pieces of plastic, you know, print all the songs out. And, uh, we didn't have PowerPoints. So if you're going to use a scripture, you wrote it all out and you put it on and, and you have, and, and so while you're preaching, you would put your own, or while you're singing, you'd put your own slide on, okay, down and then, oh, that point up here. But you did all the work. Oh, by the way, then we didn't have people to take care of the children, so my wife took care of praise and worship, then ran back and took care of the children's ministry while I preached. And there weren't people to serve tea, so we'd then run back and we'd serve tea to everybody, make sure that everybody got their tea. And then there was nobody to really help tear it down or, or set up, so we were there early in the morning setting up and then tearing down. Thank God a couple of men saw that and they said, you'll never do this again. And they started our first ushers. I, th I think of those days, I I'm so thankful to those men. They said, we don't want to see you until 30 minutes before the service. And then we want to see you pray. And I'd come in and I would pray for 30 minutes. But I have to, have to understand something. When we were back then, I was so young and so nervous that I could never keep any food down. I would have diarrhea before I'd pray. I, I wouldn't eat. I, I would be just, I was a nervous wreck. I was afraid, I, was fear of, I had fear of man, I, had, I was not a good speaker, probably still not a good speaker, but I, 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 I was just, but every person that God brought me, I was so thankful for. And then every person that left the church, oh, it broke my heart, because somehow I thought, man, I, I did something wrong, I must have done something really bad for them to leave. Sometimes I didn't, sometimes they were just leaving, they were leaving the country. Or they were leaving because, yeah, they got offended or they got mad or you know, they didn't get their needs stroked the way they thought they should. They weren't mature. They were God also dealing with them. Or, yeah, we did make a mistake. We did something that was, but we couldn't talk it through. We, you know, especially back then, if, if we disagreed, if somebody disagreed with you, well, they just leave. They wouldn't talk about it. They wouldn't work it out. Know anybody like that? You just quit relationships because you disagree. Well, that's, we can't do that anymore, folks. You can't just quit your pastor. In fact, I've, I've, I've taught this. We, we, we've made a decision that we're not going to turn away from each other. We're not going to turn against each other. We're going to make a willful choice to turn towards each other. Amen. And if you'll do that, we're going to build strong churches. We're going to build strong teams. You know. Now, all of that said, those of you that are leaders... There may be something that you see in a pastor where he may need help. That's why we have a structure to help him. But don't go to that structure unless you really know that he needs it. We just had a pastor in the city commit suicide. He was bearing a burden that he shouldn't have to bear. Good man. I know the guy. He used to come to our City pastor's meetings. Great guy. I've known him since he was a little boy. And uh, I just wonder what might have happened had he had 
the right way of getting to his leadership, the right way of having people around him that could detect that, hey, there's something wrong here. I think we need to get a hold of our senior pastor. I think we need to get a hold of our bishop. I think we need to get a hold of somebody to just see if there's something going wrong here. That's part of your job too is to help. You know, we don't pull that card very often, but boy, I tell you, wouldn't you hate to be in that church today and you'd seen and you were close and you knew instead of helping you shrunk back? I can only imagine. Let's help our pastors. Let's be those people that hold up the hands of our leaders. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. Why don't you stand up? Father, I pray for these men and women who have been so willing to serve you, so willing to lay their lives down in service of the church, of the vision. Father, they serve in areas of finance, of missions, of family. Father, they serve in in areas of organization and helps ministries. Uh, Father, the the service side of things. Father, I just am so grateful for uh, the aspects of ministry that you're opening through the body of Christ. Father, we know that we have men and women that you've called gifts that you give to us. The gift of pastor. Some men are prophets. Some are evangelists. Some you've called to be apostles and others to be prophets. So Father, we, and teachers. Father, so we have all these gifts. And Father, we don't take your gift lightly. Help us to unwrap those gifts that you give us. Help us to serve those gifts. Father, help us to have hearts that are forgiving and full of compassion. And we allow you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, to do your work in their lives and in our lives. So Holy Spirit, you said you would convict of sin. You would convict of righteousness. And you would convict of judgment. So Father, we yield ourselves to that process in our lives. We're never ever too old to not receive your chastisement, your correction. We're never too old to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. So Father, we're asking today that you would touch each of our lives, that we would reflect today. Father, I'm praying that you would touch every leader here, every servant, and that Father, they would come into their place of proper alignment Father, for those that are in proximity to their leader, that they would truly find themselves holding up the hands that hang down, strengthening the feeble need, making paths for men to walk in. Father, that the church might, in unity, with one heart, one faith, one hope, one baptism, one glory be brought together in a way that God, you could bestow your blessing. These pictures are all over the Bible. Father, we pray that you would create a church unified, a a church where your blessing can be bestowed. Anoint the head of our church. Anoint our pastors, Lord. Anoint them, Lord. And we know this, that whatever's in the head goes all the way to the hem of the garment. So, Father, bless us by blessing our pastors. Bless us by anointing them. Father, help us to get them in the place that they'll seek you and find you 
Father, deal with their hearts. Deal with them. That they might truly become the men of God that you're making. And even if it takes 40 years, Father, we will see many of our pastors become great men of God. We declare it. We believe it in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, just say amen. Now let's just pray for our pastor. You just take your name of your pastor. Let's bring it before the Lord. Just pray out loud for those that are your leaders, those in authority over you. Let's pray for them. Father, we just pray for those in authority over us. We thank you for them. We thank you for their love for us. We thank you for the sacrifices they make. Father, for the service that they make, the laying down of their lives, Father, the, 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 the persistence, the, the patience. Father, that they have endured many things. Father, they're overcomers. Give them a spirit of overcoming. Give them a grace today, Lord. Anoint them. Favor them. Father, forgive us for our judgments. Father, forgive us for speaking evil of our men of God. And Father, if we've done so, Father, we put a we ask you to put a watch on our mouth, Father. You put a, 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 we put our hand over our mouth. The Father, if we're going to say something, we speak blessing. We speak encouragement. We speak life over our churches. And Father, we thank you that it's you that deals in the hearts of arrogant men. It's you that takes a Moses and turns him into the meekest man on earth. It's you that takes a prideful man and you can break him and you can guide him and you can direct him. And we give you full charge over these men and women. Father, we release them into your hands. Father, we thank you, Lord, that it's your good work. Having begun a work in them, bring it to completion, Father. You are the author and you are the perfecter of their faith and of our faith. And so, Father, we yield to you today in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So after this session, maybe just go find your pastor and his wife and maybe even some of the assistant pastors people that have served you and just say man I just tell them I appreciate you find them sometimes just say man I, I do appreciate you and understand that whether you see it or not for them to be where they are they've had to make some sacrifices and God is using them amen alright we love you thanks for listening for more teachings and videos visit celebrationmen.org